Thank you, gentlemen. Stand with me this morning and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. A very familiar portion of Scripture, but I believe the Lord wants me to emphasize one part of it. Again, I had one of those uh, weeks where, you know, a pastor just studies, but then somebody will say something or somebody will write me something and it just clicks and I know that's what I'm supposed to share. And then in the story of the prodigal, I don't so much want to emphasize the common points. I want to talk to you this morning by the grace of God on the subject of those that walk away. Those that walk away, they walk away from relationship. They walk away from God. They walk away from God's house, God's words. See, when the prodigal left the father, it was more than just a departure. It was a breaking of fellowship, of, of, of proximity, of sharing. And in this last hour, the un, those of us that aren't Christians, you know, we're all like sheep. We've gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own iniquity. And we've departed from the Lord, but there's a, a, a relentless tide and current pushing against the believer. And there are those in this room that have walked away, that are walking away, and are in the balance. And I just pray by the preached word this morning that no one will leave this place in any of those categories. Can somebody say amen? And Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of him said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there he wasted his substance with riotous living. When he'd spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have fain or desired to fill his belly with the husk that the swine were eating, and no man gave to him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare? And here I am perishing with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. So he arose and came to his father. And when he was a great way off, the father saw him. father must have been looking for him to see him at a great distance. He had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now found. And they began to be merry. One translation said, and the party began. Would you pray for me as I pray for myself this morning? Lord, I just humble myself before you knowing that no matter how much uh, I can sculpt a word, it doesn't matter if it's enticing words of man's wisdom. It doesn't matter if the rhetoric is right or the syncopation is pleasant or the stories and the allegories are 
correct. Nothing can move a man's heart but your spirit. And so I just ask, O oh Lord, that you would burst the bubble of deception. That we can see who we are. We can see where we are. And that we would have the courage and character to make necessary changes to be found in you. Don't let our mail go to another house another day. Don't let our mail go to another house another day. In your son's name I ask it, God. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated this morning. At 24 years old, I wandered into a Assembly of God Church on Wimbish Road, raised in a preacher's home, raised in the faith, knowing the scriptures. But I had walked away from God. Be, be very careful, these people tell you you can't walk away from God. Uh, the, well, John, the Bible says no man can pluck you out of his hand. I didn't say nobody else could pluck me out of his hand. But the same God that allows anyone to walk to him will allow everyone to walk away from him. And I had wandered far, far away, and I came in on a Sunday morning. And see, y'all can, we can blend better today. But back then, everybody wore coat and tie. Uh, some of the girls did. Uh, everybody was coat and tie, long dresses, um, just dress up. And I had on a, you know, concert T-shirt. I kind of, you know, it's like that song, Which One of These Does Not Belong? Which one of these not like the other? And the guy got up and he opened the text and he said, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And I'm sitting there and I went, oh, come on, man. I go to church once since the Korean War and I'm, it's usually going to single me out like that. This message is going to be like that today. For you to walk away and not respond would be a decision you don't ever want to make when God pinpoints and accurately reaches you where you are with his word. I just pray that you not be the ones that say, yes, that was the Lord who loved me enough to sculpt a message to reach me that I don't have the time or the care to consider it. I want to speak to you for very quickly on those who walk away. Four things. Number one, those who walk away have a problem. If you're taking notes. Number two, those who walk away have a pattern. Number three, those who walk away have epiphanies. And number four, those who walk away have a place. All right, if you're taking notes, number one, those who walk away have a problem because they are walking away from God. This story is an allegorical representation of something that's happened since the beginning of time. Adam and Eve, knowing they were naked, walked away from the Lord. You can walk away from me to no effect. You can walk away from the local church, but there's, there's effect there. But when you walk away from God, when you walk out from under His care, the connectivity of being attached to Christ, He is the vine and you are the branch. You have a problem when you walk away from God because 
There is no light in the world. He's the light of the world. When you walk away from God, there's no balm for your soul because he's the balm of Gilead. When you walk away from God, there's no shepherd for you or your family because he's the chief shepherd and the great shepherd of your souls. You immediately uh, find that your compass is broken and in a world of broken compasses, you look for the next thing to make you feel balanced. Those who walk away from God have a problem because they are walking away from God himself. Their father, the origin of of their life, their father, the source of their life, their father, the covering of their life, and their father, the key to their life. There's much that can be seen in this story, and those of us that left home under not as good circumstances, you know, it's it's right for children to move on. If your baby's 42 years old and uh, living in your basement, eating your food, you need to have a foot to the rear end ministry and help them get on help them get on their way but there's another type of walking away that says I'm tired of you watching I'm tired of you controlling I'm tired of you being in authority and that's the one I, I speak to today for there are people here today that have walked have begun to walk or are considering walking And every road that leads away from the Father's house is a road of destruction. I know you're frustrated. I know you're tired. I know you may be wounded. I know you may be scarred. I know you may be lonely and you may have lack. But if you walk away from God, it is God who you are leaving. The author and finisher of your faith the one you made covenant with, the one you made vows to, the one that forgave you of your past and warmed your heart and called you to ministry, the one who rocked you to sleep during the worst times of your life, the one who healed your body, healed your soul, and healed your mind. There are some things you don't come back from. And those who fully walk away from God God lets them. Oh, I know Jesus comes uh, and leaves the 99 to search for the one. That's the one that's never known him. But the prodigal, he just waits for him to come back home. Let me put it to you as simple as I know how. I don't care if everything in your life is working today. If you have walked away from God, you have the greatest of all problems Because you're going to spend your life climbing a ladder, whether it's corporate or personal, only to find that your ladder is leaned against the wrong building. Because this world is not it. This is the world that determines where we spend eternity. There are people that, you know, now the popular thing uh, on Facebook and on the internet is for Christians that used to walk with God, tell their story about how I walked away from God, as if that made you special or celebrity. Ah, that church was, this church was just flawed, and there's so many hypocrites there. Well, I appreciate your sincerity and nobility, so I know you ain't going to work Monday. I know you'll be divorced Tuesday. 
I know you're kicking all your kids out by Wednesday. And you're going to be in your house with no friends. No, that's not the truth. The truth is that we've either been deceived or deluded or just carnal in our departure away from the Lord. Number two, and this is the meat of my message this morning. Those who walk away from God have a pattern. Because in the first one, I told you they have a problem. They are walking away from God. I want you to see the pattern. They are walking away. Nobody made you. Devil didn't make you. Former pastor didn't make you. Your crazy kinfolk didn't make you. No one can, listen, we're adults. No one can make you do anything. Come on. There's patterns here that show up in the life of those who know the Lord and walk away. Number one. Those who leave do, or letter A, those who leave do so in their heart before they ever leave in the body. You don't just decide one day to leave God. You, it's, a, it's a process. You know, your, eye, your feet can't go where your eyes haven't looked. And we get disillusioned with our, our, our walk with the Lord. Because walking with the Lord is a narrow pathway. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many go in thereat, but narrow is the way that leads to life. This, this, come on, come, come die for Jesus. Well, that's the gospel. Come after me, deny yourself, pick up your cross, which is a destruction of the flesh, and follow me. The reason false churches grow is because they say, come, have your best life now. And Christ says, follow me and die. And if you lose your life in this world, you'll find it in the next one. But if you save your life in this world, you'll lose it in the next one. Know this, that if it's in your mind and you rehearse it, you're just a few days from walking it out. It always happens in the mind before it happens in the body. The pattern these people have. They draw lines of separation between them and their father. Keep your Bible open. Look at verse 12. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. Give me my inheritance early. So he divided unto them his living. The pattern of the person that walks away from God is while they're living with God, they start separating what's God's and what's theirs. Listen to your pastor this morning. I'm going to decide what time you get and what time I get. I'm going to decide if I feel like serving you or not serving you. My resources, I'll keep this and I'll tip you a few nickels down the line. I'll, I'll keep my friends that I choose. I will decide and I want to make sure you know that I'm Lord of my life. And I'm going to separate that which belongs to you. I'll give you one hour on Sunday if I feel like it. And if I don't have anything, you know what this generation is? I will see you at church if I ain't got nothing else going on. You can get mad at me if you want. It's just the day and age. I, listen, all these white-haired folks out here, y'all know we went Sunday morning, Sunday night, missionary, BSU, USB, CBS, ABCN, Wednesday night, Tuesday prayer meeting. Lord, if revival come to town, just cancel everything. Now, you don't have to be everything to be a, to, you don't have to go to everything to be a Christian. My point is, that don't fit the life of a prodigal. 
I'll just fit God in and like salt on a meal. I'm the meal. Just that little bit of God to season my life. Hey, give me, this is what the prodigal said, give me your very best. And I have zero plans of reciprocating that gesture. The truth of the Christian is there's no dividing up. It was an all-in purchase of your life. For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And so he bought your past, your present, your tomorrow, your assets, your liabilities, all purchased. If you look on the deed of your soul, he owns you. What ignorance, what arrogance. Give me what portion it falleth to me. That prodigal didn't grow up in my generation. Can y'all imagine telling our mom or dad, give me what followed? And you wake up and your clothes are out of style. You know, they hit you so hard. The portion that followeth you, I'll tell you what followeth you. You know what the problem is? I'm going to give y'all just some old school, you know, this no child left behind. It ought to be no child with a behind. That would help us. It's what, <laughs> that's what's missing. <laughs> Little kid puts a sign on his door, my room, stay out. I'll take your door off the hinge. What? That little attitude, your door, where do you get those socks on your feet? Oh, I bought them. Where would you get your shoes? We see that as a parent, but we don't see that as a Christian. You own me. I'm my own person, and you're 11. No, I brought you in this world. I can take you out. Anyway, can't get no amens from the kids. But. <laughs> Divide unto me the portion that falleth to me. You don't ever want to do that. You don't ever want to divide plans. Okay, God, I have these plans and I'll fit in what you have for me to do. Instead, what are your plans for me? You don't want to divide possessions. You don't want to divide priorities. You don't want to divide passions. Unto you, O oh Lord, we live and move and have our being. May my life, may our lives, O oh God, be found in you where you're the supreme person. You're the preeminent person. You're not only the origin and the power by which I'm sustained, but you're the destination too. I don't want no division, O oh Lord. When... when my babies were real little. One of the first things that's, oh, I missed that age. Anybody else besides me? Now we're 11, 12, got sass and identity and all that. But they're, oh, they're in here today. No, they don't have none. Not them. I'm talking about somebody else's kid. But my girls, I'd teach them. I'd say, if I have it, and they'd say, I have it. And I'd give them whatever I have. Now, Elisha didn't catch on real good. Elisha said, if I have it, I have it. No, Elisha, I was saying, if I have it, you have it. But Elisha said, no, if I have it, I have it. And that's the way some of you are living. Wanting and expecting and demanding the best that God has with no desire to reciprocate with the best that you have. May there be no lines of division. Another part of the pattern. Separation always precedes relocation. 
it said that the, the father divided his living unto them. And not many days after, look in your Bible, the very next verse. I want you to see the pattern. See, when you divide your stuff, separation happens. Because you want to navigate and coordinate your stuff. So when you start living under yourself, who wants to live at home where there are rules and there's law? Go be free, man. I love seeing people move out at 18, 19, and then you see them about 25, 26 years old. They go, this being a grown-up ain't all it's cracked up to be. I said, no, right? And we're that way with the Lord. He divides us unto him, unto us, his living, his substance, and then we want to relocate. He said, not many af- days after, after what? The division. The son gathered it together and took his journey. Separation of stuff precedes relocation of the stuff because I don't want to have you telling me what to do with my stuff listen I don't want you telling me what to do with my body I don't want you telling me what to do with my money or my time and I ain't going back to that church because they preach the same they preach this lordship thing and I got to be me separation Always follows division. Letter D. Departure always turns to distance. Keep your Bible open. Look. So not many days after, the son gathered and took his journey into a far country. Will you listen to Pastor John this morning? I've done this a long time. I've got buddies of mine that own their own companies, uh, from asphalt companies to carpenters to electricians to mechanics and um, when they tell me something, they say, John, l- l- let, me just, let me just help here. You know, and I got my little Phillips head out, and you're about to burn the whole house down, John. Just stop. Uh, let, let me help you here. That's what I'm asking you to do is let me help here as your pastor. I've done this a long time. Departure always turns to distance. Always. And be careful when you say always or never. But this isn't Always. No one ever plans on going to a far country. No one ever plans on going from just immorality, tasting immorality, to perversion. No one plans on going from just a little compromise to absolute rebellion. I never dreamed of when I sipped my first beer that it would steal all those years of my life. And cause so much physical change in my body, in my personality, in my emotions. I did not know then what I know now. Departure. The road away from the Father's house is downhill. Oh no, I, I'm different. Yeah, you're, you're the different one. I know. You're, you're the special one. You're the matrix guy. The one. You're, you're the one. You're the unicorn. You can walk away from God and hover at the door and just put your hand back in the field of dreams anytime you want and grab God. And do not realize that the devil is at the door playing his violin saying you're different. You're not going to die if you leave God. God's lying to you. He knows that the day you learn how, to, the day you know the difference between good and evil for yourself, you pick your truth that you will be like God. What does that mean? You get to call the shots. 
and you get outside and he doesn't swing the violin at you at the door. But he waits till you're in a far country and he beats your brains out with it. Don't, don't tell me I've lived too long. I've watched too many men throw their life, their marriage, and their babies away. I've watched it. And it all started with a closed door in their bedroom looking at something online. And then before long, they leave their children. I didn't plan on going that far. I didn't plan on murdering a child in my stomach. I didn't, I didn't plan on doing these things. No one does. But departure always turns to distance. Now, I know that was a heavy statement a minute ago, so I'm just lighting it up. Some of you guys are coming into midlife. I can see it. I can see it a mile off. It's so funny. You know, in my 60s, it's real funny. In my 40s, it wasn't that funny. But in my 60s, hey, this is funny because I see you coming up and you're unbuttoning your shirt down to your navel and you got your Miata and you got your little gold chain hanging there, but we saw that cross and we knew you loved Jesus. We, we see it happening, you know. And you're 42 and we need you an upgrade. Somebody 25 and you're 45. And you're like, you better be... You better be looking for somebody who knows what a stroke looks like. <laughs> Old as you are. <laughs> you better be know somebody who knows some CPR and how to clear your throat. Is that okay to tell y'all the truth? Yeah. That little girl like Hercules, Hercules, you dead. You better, you better be careful. You want somebody with a defibrillator in their purse. All right, we all good? Y'all going to stay for the rest of it? Okay. <laughs> Departure always turns to distance. Letter E, distance always leads to waste. Keep your Bible open. It's right there. The pattern of the prodigal is all in here. Departure turns to distance and distance leads to waste. It said he wasted his substance. You know what happens on the road away from the Father's house? All that you were with Him, it starts to dissipate. Our youth leaves our face. Our glow starts to dim. Our optimism turns to pessimism. Our freedom turns to bondage. All that God has given us. See, the prodigal's father gave him resources. And the net worth went down and down and down. But in the spiritual realm, we who have been bought with the shed blood of Christ and purchased, when we walk away from God, we are diluted, diminished, and infected. Our value goes down. We waste our substance. I'm not being funny here, but is anybody else beside me? And I don't mean because you saw it on a television show. Where did the last decade go? I blinked and I'm 61. I blinked. And the only thing that makes sense in this life, the Bible said if we have hope in this life only, we're of all people most miserable and defeated. The only thing 
that gives hope is not in a wasted life here, but a life that's been sent on ahead to be kept and preserved. That little girl happens to me all the time now. I've lived enough decades with you to see it. That little girl in the youth group that was 14 or 15 years old whose countenance glowed with the presence of Jesus Christ goes off to some secular college. By the way, you better prayerfully, prayerfully decide where you send your babies to school. They come back. Oh, they, they woke all right. Walking corpses whose eyes are already sunk in their head at 24, 24 with a false arrogance and a naive optimism that only reeks of deception. But their substance is gone. Departure always turns to distance and distance turns to waste. It's like living, you know, like somebody has a scratch off and they win $20,000. Now they quit their job and they're going to live on that $20,000. But they'll soon find that without a substance, a perpetual substance, their life goes to waste. Wasted his substance. Wasted the years that God has invested in you. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but having the grandmama you had, having the papa you had, the mama you had, and the dad, the years and the prayers, and we've wasted it away. I hope to make you uncomfortable with this word so you can make A decision based on awakeness. Like uh, we, we change only when we learn enough that we want to or we hurt enough that we have to. And I believe there may be people here that are both today. Waste by wantonness. It's not a word you hear much anymore. But wantonness means uh, a vicious course of life. A state of being abandoned in moral principle and in vice with no thought or care about what the result might be. It said they wasted their substance with riotous living. That doesn't mean necessarily uh, fighting or anger. It means a vicious lifestyle that only cares about the moment. Don't tell me the cost. Man, you get, all of y'all are starting to realize you're in your 40s or 50s. You're like, I'm becoming my dad. Won't eat without a coupon. No, sir, we don't. That determines where we go. I got a hankering for, you got a hankering for what's in my pocket. That's where we want. Why? Because I know I am a limited resource. But the person that's away from the father's house, they don't think about later. And by the way, those that don't plan for their future will hate their future. That's good, Pastor John. Amen. Thank you. And waste always leads to famine. It said, and when he spent all, there arose a famine in the land. Look at verse 14. This is when I meet up with the 24-year-old that's moved out. They're on their own. They know everything. You can't tell them nothing. And then I meet back up with them when they're 40. And there's a famine of their soul. Their marriage is broken. The kids have gone crazy. Their bodies started to break down. And they, they, they get scared. And I'm not making fun of you because I've lived every person in this story. I'm not judging you. I'm telling you the truth. That's all I'm doing. Departure always turns to distance. 
Distance turns to waste and waste leads to famine, which means there ain't no help anywhere. You can't buy those years back. I've watched it too many times. I'm sorry. That man that lost his wife and kids I was telling you about, he comes back around when they're in their 20s and he, he truly repents. He apologizes. He tries to put it back together. But those years are gone, baby. They're gone. There's a famine of not watching his kids grow up. There's a famine, a void. And the devil, listen to this, the devil has been at his deception for six thousand years but you're good you got you, you know you, you know what's going on you're different yours won't end in famine yours won't end in waste yours won't end in destruction because you're the exception told you it was a problem and the pattern very quickly famine leads to lack said they began to be in want it leads to bad choices and relationships. Look at verse 15. He joined himself to a citizen of that far country. Oh, I wish I had time to spend that. Famine of soul will make you link up with the worst of people. I didn't say everything about him's bad. But the devil will send people to your life that are kind and that understand you and connect with you to facilitate your destruction. If my house is on fire, I don't need somebody that gets me. I need somebody with a water hose. I'm just so glad I got you. We'll die together. And then we, we sing stupid songs. Modern music, I mean, music's always been pretty, you know, suspect at best. But... Well, if I go to hell, at least my friends will be there. It's like a uh, mental illness set to music. But your relationships have more to do with your life outside of the redemptive work of Christ than probably anything else. And when you're hurting and you don't want to be alone, isn't it amazing how there's always, Jonah uh, didn't have to wait for a boat out of the will of God. It was just sitting at port. Just there you go. So it is with relationships. And these choices inevitably lead to personal shame. This man that he joined himself to sent him into the fields to feed swine. If our musician would come, please. For a Jew, working in a pigsty was as bad as it got. And here he is waist deep in the excrement. Y'all stay with me. In the excrement of these pigs. Saying, how did I get here? How did I get here? Can I tell you a story that I didn't plan on telling you? I just felt prompted by the Lord. Maybe there's somebody here that you're indecisive and you're weighing the message like, you know, I would listen to what this guy says, but I'm not sure I like him or I don't identify with him. He's just preached so hard. 
I remember in college, a young girl telling me that she was pregnant and that it was mine. And I didn't know back then that I was sterile. I had no, I, I just didn't know. And she said, I just need your help. I said, well, uh, see, I got to my own pigsty of shame and the other things, you know. that This was just one of many types of, of things like this. And she said, I need your help. And I said, well, I'll, I'll help you. I, I don't know that I'm ready to marry, but uh, you can count on me. I'll, I'll help you raise this baby. She goes, raise the baby? Are you, what's wrong with you? I was like, right. I just need some money to take this life. I said, oh, I can't do it. So stop right there. How did I get from living under the covering of a couple in ministry where the word of God was the standard, the spirit of the God was the source, the joy of the Lord was our strength, to talking to a girl who's asking me to help murder a child. I'll tell you how I got there. One step at a time. I told her, I said, I can't do it. I can't do it. And there's something about the grace of God. He'll use the worst days in our life not to condemn us, but to wake us up. I said, I can't. But I'll, I'll raise, if you'll just carry this child, I'll raise it. I, I, I will. I talked to my mom. She said, well, I'll help you. We'll, we'll, we'll do it. So I told her I would. You know what she told me? She said, on this day, so-and-so, I'm going to be at this doctor handling this. Now, of course, now I know it wasn't my child because I'm sterile. That's, that's the only consolation of this story. But she said, I want you to be thinking about me on this day at this time because I'm going to be sitting in that chair thinking about how much I hate you. So your pastor is no stranger to shame, to regret, to perversity. But there's something about these things that lead us to epiphanies. Where, where you say to yourself, what happened to me? What, what's going on here? The prodigal said, what, look at me, I, I'm dying. My, my father's servants have bread enough to spare. What is going on in my soul? What's going on in my life? Look at me. My father's hired help has it better than me. And I started thinking about my heritage and my, how my mom and daddy raised me. And I started thinking about the promises and the call on my life as a little boy. And he, he said he came to himself. Listen. Listen to old Pastor John this morning. You can't have an epiphany when you want one. God grants them. And I'm sitting in that church service. July 6, 1986. And I saw. It's like he took a snapshot. I saw my whole journey. And it dawned. I had an epiphany. That the same feet that I used to walk away from God, I could use to walk back to Him. 
I just, I had it. Man, I, I wasn't worthy of that. I didn't deserve that. I wasn't anyone special. I was a fool. This prodigal said, my father's servants have bread enough to spare, and here I am dying with hunger. I will arise. I ain't got to give the devil two weeks' notice. I will arise, and I will go to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired help. And the Bible says when the prodigal said that to the father, the father said, bring the best robe and put it on him. See, epiphanies, epiphanies happen to bring us back into equilibrium to where we see our father clearly. My father's servants have bread enough to spare. We see ourselves clearly. I'm dying with hunger. You know what I need to do? I need to go back home. I don't remember the pastor giving an altar call that day. I do remember getting up and walking and falling on an altar. And I was there a little over half hour. And when I came up, the pastor, my mama, and God was with me. I started over. Finally, this is what I want to wrap it up with. They not only have a problem, and they not only have a pattern. You, all of us fit the same pattern. And then God grants an epiphany. And when you have them, you got to respond honestly. You got to respond accurately. You got to respond immediately and decisively. No one can do it for you. I don't know if there's a greater tragedy in life than to have an epiphany and let it just like a vapor fade away. I saw that I was dying. There's only a few notches left before there was nothing to live for. And God let me see my life. And when the boy turned and went back home, he learned he had a place. Listen. A place that was his before he was born. Because Christ was the lamb slayed before the foundation of the world for you. Did you know that your name was written in the Lamb's book of life in the, in the mind of God before you were born? He knew you. And he chose you. You have a place. You have an eternal place. You have a prepared place. You have a personal place. I had the picture yesterday in my mind's eye of a girl in her mid-twenties coming back home and her mama still got her room just like she had it before she left. Did you know when I came back to the Lord, man, I'd have changed my room. I'd have took everything out if I was him. I'd have got new furniture, painted it over. And it was, it was just like me. It even smelled like me. It's my room. It's a preserved place. And the place that you have, that you had in God, is still there. If you will repent and come home, I ask them to cue a song for me. And at any time during this song, if this is you, I invite you to come and kneel at this altar. Listen, if you're a guest, you won't be embarrassed in this place. I give you my word. Ain't nobody going to bother you. 
Nobody's going to put a microphone in your face. But I, I don't preach messages like this and let us just say, well, I'm going to sit here. No, we were men and women enough to walk away. We can be men and women enough to walk too. May this last song be all you need to push you over the edge to come back home. Would you play this for us, guys? Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you. this last portion but I just feel prompted and for those of you that I know you love the Lord but you're cold and kind of you know where the luggage is let's it's, it's too late in the, the game for that just let's run so far into God we stick out the other end if that's you say you know what pastor in my mind I I know where the luggage is and I'm kind of playing with what's outside his house. And I want to stand in front of God's people and say, that ain't me anymore after today. Play this last part for me, Philip. Jesus is calling, calling God. 
church family, would you stand with me? Those in the altar, you're fine. You can stay right there. my girls were in the kindergarten and first grade we taught them our numbers telephone numbers if you ever get separated from your daddy you tell them this your number and now of course they're smarter than I at 11 they're smarter than I was at 16 they know more stuff but I remember teaching them I said where do you live they said 95 vintage way Forsyth Georgia 31029 you sure you live that's where I live I want you to be so concrete in your faith. I'm not, I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. You say, where you live? You say, with God. With, with God. No. Oh, you meant my, my address here. See, my first address, my citizenship is in heaven. From whence therefore I look for the Lord Jesus Christ. Ain't no division of my stuff. It's all in heaven. What are your plans? Heaven. Where are you going? Heaven. Where do you live? Well, right now I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. You're just not your own. Your sins are forgiven. Hmm? I was telling her. Yeah. Your sins are forgiven. Yeah. Lord, tell you what, Charles, will you come up and pray for us? Close us out. How many are grateful that we have a God that He doesn't turn anyone away that comes to Him? Isn't He merciful? Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we're thankful today. God, for such a powerful word. We're thankful today, God, that we were here and able to hear it. Father, I pray today that as we assemble, God, and your spirit move in this place. Father, I don't know about anyone else, God, but I know that your spirit ministered to me. And Father, I know that there was some perhaps in the audience that did not stand and move forward. But God, I pray today, Lord, that that the business is fixed. God, I pray today that they have made up in their minds that they're going to follow you. Father, I come against the work of the enemy. His desire is to kill, steal, and to destroy, God. But I'm thankful today that you came, that we may have life and life abundantly. I pray today, Father God, that you will, that you will cover the lives, the minds, and the hearts, God, in every decision that was made at this altar today in the hearts of these individuals, God. I pray today, Father, that you will cover them, Lord, that, that your spirit will guard the seed that was planted. And I pray today, Lord God, that each and every one of us, God, 
every single one of us, God, in this place, we have a tendency to mentally walk away. But I pray today, Father, that we will repent and turn and go in the other direction, trusting you in every way, in every part of our lives. God, I do pray, Father, that in the coming days, Lord God, that you will encourage us more and more as we see the day approaching. And God, that we would lift our heads unto the hills, our eyes unto the hills from which comes our help because all of our help comes from you, the creator, the maker of heaven and earth. God, we cannot wait for your glorious appearance. God, we cannot wait, Father God, when you come back for your church. But Father, in the meanwhile, God, while we're still here, God, I pray today that you would prompt us, God, that you would challenge us, Lord God, to share our faith, to be an encouragement, Father, to those that are still in darkness. And God, those that have walked away from you. Father, I pray, Lord God, that as the Father stood and looked in a distance and seen his son coming back. God, I pray that we would stand beside him. Father God, longing and praying for those to come back, to come back home. And Father God, I pray for the rest of our week. And God, that you will lead and guide us, that we would be students of your word. And Father God, that we would be a light to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week.